Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Comic Book Commute, the podcast you listen to on your commute while I commute. This is VM Campos. Let's get on the road. So, it's another early morning commute for me. And I've got a new home. I moved recently, so uh, not too far. Uh, just uh, one zip code away. And so my commute's a little different than it used to be. The purpose is still the same. I'll uh, be on my commute, and you'll listen during your commute. So what I want to talk about today is uh, the golden age of female-centric comics. So if you haven't been able to tell by now on our current episode, I am a boy. But I still think uh, it's of great value to read a variety of comics, not just uh, the usual superhero types, or the usual uh, male-centric superhero types. Um, they're all good. Everything about comics is great, usually. But uh, perhaps diversity issues um, haven't been fully addressed. And I applaud, however, the companies, the two, big, the two big companies, for their initiatives to try to make things a more diverse place. Because the world is diverse, and why not... Uh, show that the real world is diverse, so why not show that in our fictional worlds? So let's talk about some comics that are interesting, uh, that are female-centric. So one of the ones that I've started to read recently that I really liked, uh, and I feel like I got to it late to the party, uh, is The Unbeatable Squirrel Girl. So this is the... Uh, ongoing series, her own title, Squirrel Girl, which was invented uh, more than 20 years ago, but was a bit of a joke character, even from the beginning, and sort of resurrected in the last 10 years or less. And um, she's... uh, half girl, half squirrel, and has the powers of each. And so if you haven't heard of Squirrel Girl, she's actually the strongest Marvel character. She has uh, battled Doctor Doom and won on her first appearance, actually. She has uh, tangled with Thanos and Galactus and all of these big characters, and yes, has won. Uh, It usually happens in very hilarious ways or off-panel and such, but she is one of the most powerful characters in the Marvel Universe. So whenever you run into any of these polls online where it says, who would win? And you've got, you know, Iron Man and Thor and Hulk and Squirrel Girl, make sure you vote for Squirrel Girl because she will win. And so at the moment, as of this podcast episode, uh, we are on about issue five 
or so of The Unbeatable Squirrel Girl Volume 2. Yes, Volume 2. And um, that's because, of course, uh, Secret Wars in 2015 upended everything and reset everything. And Squirrel Girl returns in her in her uh, own title with a brand new number one. So if you'd like to get in on the ground floor, there aren't too many issues to go back and read in volume two. And what I said, what I said earlier that I feel I was late to the party is because I never read any from volume one. I remember seeing these uh, Squirrel Girl covers for these comics at the comic shops and I thought it, it's kind of interesting it looks funny I like the art but uh, I don't know I never got into it because we all have limited budgets right and uh, the, the series kept going on and I kept seeing the covers and I kept chuckling at them there was one uh, that's in the style of the old uh, Marvel versus Capcom games, uh, you know, pixelated uh, arcade graphics, where it's Squirrel Girl versus uh, Galactus, and I should have bought it, but I never bought any from Volume One. Then uh, Secret Wars came about, and it's time to start over. So I thought, why not? I'll pick it up. And there's so much to love about this comic. The humor, it's dripping with humor. So if you want a funny book, you gotta get this one. There's maybe too many serious books out there. If you're looking for something funny, get Squirrel Girl. Now the creative team, I'm uh, forgetting the guy's name at the moment, uh, the writer, sorry. Uh, but the artist is... Um, um, ooh, I'm forgetting her name too. I believe it's Melissa Henderson. I know, I know Henderson is her last name at least. Um, and uh, she's uh, she's the artist on Squirrel Girl. She definitely gives it a her her seal, her stamp about what. Uh, what the characters look like. They have this kind of quirky expression that she often gives them and a lot of teeth. But uh, it's well drawn. It's it's really funny. In volume two, um, after kind of reestablishing things, the story kicks off in a little bit of time travel. Squirrel Girl ends up in the 60s before the dawn of the Marvel Age of comics. So it's funny. Uh, at the bottom of each page usually there is some commentary I think it's from the writer some commentary about every page and adding packing in the more comedy per page um, so pick up the trade paperback for volume one because I need to if you want to and then start reading uh, volume two again as of this podcast uh, issue five has been released with a great parody cover of the classic Dark Knight Returns. I forget which issue, probably issue two, the one with 
Batman and Robin jumping through the sky in that amazing pose, in that amazing Frank Miller pose, you know, Batman above and him pointing forward and Robin beneath him jumping through the air. That cover is parodied on Unbeatable Squirrel Girl number five. And uh, I won't spoil why. You got to read it. And I can't wait for issue six because it's going to have a tie in with Howard the Duck, um, a cover that uh, that ties in. I forget the artist, but it's a it's a really talented cover artist, and uh, the cover of Squirrel Girl six will actually interlock with Howard the Duck number six. So I'm looking forward to that. So that's one recommendation. Moving on, another recommendation. Uh, which I have to sheepishly half recommend, but fully recommend. I'll tell you why in a moment. Um, another comic that I've been uh, reading that is female-centric that I like is uh, Angela. Uh, so Angela is really interesting because if you know the history of comics back in the 90s, there was, of course, Spawn from Image, created by Todd McFarlane. And uh, on issue six or eight or so, um, a character is introduced, Angela, the, uh, the angel, uh, this hunter, created by Todd McFarlane and co-created by Neil Gaiman. And uh, I knew that character from the 90s. Uh, it was one of the bad girls of the 90s, which means, of course, uh, a lot of skin and maybe little plot. And so, from my understanding, there was a falling out, and Neil Gaiman wanted to take more credit for his character, for co-creating. McFarlane didn't want to give it, so they went to court, and then eventually, they uh, Gaiman won, and got full control of his character, of, of Angela. And so, at some point then, he made a deal with Marvel, and so Angela, it was revealed, was actually the half-sister of Thor and Loki, revealed in the original Sin storyline. So Angela now is part of the Marvel Universe, which for an old which for an old-school comic fan, that's kind of mind-blowing. Back in the day, it was you like Marvel or you like DC or you like Image. And you sort of didn't mix them up. And so here we have this character from this other company, now part of one of the big two. And so I didn't read that, uh, that those, those books where that was all revealed in Marvel. But then she got her own series, uh, Angela Asgard's Assassin. And I decided, Let's, let me check it out. It's starting off number one, so I'll check it out. The art is beautiful. I apologize that I don't have the creative team off the top of my head. After all, I'm driving. I wouldn't want to look it up. And so um, not knowing anything about Angela up until that point since uh, the image days I dove in 
and it's uh, basically about um, Angela and her companion and I hate myself that I don't remember her name at the moment because she's so integral to the plot I read too many comics and um, they it starts off with they have just kidnapped the child of um, of Odin Odin and, and Freya they have another child I guess you know they should wrap that up so anyway uh, they steal the child they go off until the wilderness and such and being hunted to bring to get the child back by Odin's forces um, it's uh, it's it's really cool. It's a it's an interesting book. They they're on Earth for a bit, and then they're traveling all of these different realms. They even run into the Guardians of the Galaxy, and there's an underlying plot. This is uh, this is actually uh, a great book because it's got two two themes. One of them is sort of stealth. Um, it's Angela, of course, that, you know, a female-centric book, uh, a pretty badass character. They've really toned down the bad girl image of, of Angela. Uh, so from the 90s, I mean, you know, the bad girl comics, the lots of skin, little plot. Um, she's still in a relatively skimpy outfit, but not, none of the gratuitous shots uh, and angles and drawings of, of her from back in the day. And... Um, a cool character to follow along with her tormented uh, backstory. She's she was raised as an angel, and uh, in this world, the angels uh, never do anything for free. They always get something in return. And uh, she finds out that she's actually half Asgardian, so she's uh, Thor's sister and Loki's sister. So, uh, the other underlying, this is a bit more under the surface, and I don't want to really go into it to, to spoil things, but it deals with uh, Angela's companion. Again, I can't remember her name. Leave, leave a comment to jog my memory, or I can look it up, of course, later. But her companion that she's with is a very interesting character. Uh, and, I'll, and what I'll say is that she really fits into today's modern society, uh, today's progressive society. So if that doesn't intrigue you, it should. You should go off and read Angela. Now, Angela also um, has had a reboot because um, of Secret Wars. So at about issue six or so, the uh, the series ended, and they actually wrapped it up in a good way. Unlike other books that were taken out via Secret Wars, it did. I did feel it had a good resolution. So whatever it was, six issues, eight issues, or whatever it was, it ended in a. I think in a good way. Uh, but because never nothing ever dies, stays dead in the Marvel universe, except for Uncle Ben. Um, the, uh, the series is back. And here's where I have to go back and say um, I half recommend this only because of my half ignorance. I read volume one. I enjoyed it. 
the creative team I think did a great job. I think it's really interesting how uh, Angela is getting fit into this Marvel Universe. Uh, character is intriguing and cool and badass. But I have not continued reading Volume 2, which is Angela, Queen of Hell. And in the whole Thor portion of the Marvel Universe, they have a hell, but it's H-E-L, you know, old Norse spellings. And I, again, I can't spoil what happened in volume one, but in volume two, it spoils it just by the title, Angela, Queen of Hell. And that's all I'll say, because that's all I know. I haven't read, I haven't begun reading volume two, and they're probably on issue four or five by now. And I should pick it up and see where it's going, but I've got so many comics in my current pull list that I have to admit I'm not continuing with Angela at the moment, but I'm happy of what I read in Volume 1. I really should then go on to Volume 2. But the great thing about comics, especially if they're done well, is that you can, you should be able to perhaps pick them up at any point and maybe not be completely confused, but at least engrossed and engaged. And I'm paraphrasing Stan Lee, where he says something to the effect of every comic is everyone's first comic. So if a comic is so obtuse that you don't know what's going on and it doesn't intrigue you to come back, was it a good comic? That's a discussion for another day, but um, you should pick up Angela. Another book in the vein of this episode, uh, the one I think that is the, the progenitor of the current wave of female-centric books there's been many female-centric books throughout the decades, of course, but it feels like the big companies are maybe kind of taking it a little bit more seriously nowadays. And I'm mentioning some uh, Marvel books at the moment just because that's what's in my head at the moment. You can, of course, leave comments in the, in the description to guide me and our listeners to more female-centric comics from other publishers, but I've got a few Marvel books in mind. And what I'm getting at is Thor, the mighty Thor. You might have heard of the hoopla a year ago or so, a year and a half ago or more, about Thor becoming a woman now. Well, the title of Thor becoming female-centric caused a lot of a lot of ink to be spilled, positive and negative. If you only heard of the negative, you were misinformed because there's a lot of positive to talk about. Some of the rancor that happened in, in back in the day was people saying, yet another attempt to shoehorn in diversity into a title. Or, uh, why are, here's another example where the SJWs are winning. And uh, spoiler alert, full disclosure, I'm an SJW. And if you're not and you have bad feelings about them, you shouldn't listen to my podcast. Be gone. And welcome to the 21st century. But anyway, um, female Thor. Uh, which is not... You don't want to define her that way. She's Thor. She is worthy because remember Mjolnir has inscribed to the effect whosoever is worthy uh, he shall lift the hammer or the 
inscription, something like that. But it had the pronoun uh, he inscribed into the into the hammer, and um, that was great. When he was the universal he for male and female, but in the 21st century, uh, he is not inclusive. Uh, everyone uh, can have a shot, so male or female, anyone should be worthy to wield a hammer, and we find out that someone is. So something happens, which to my knowledge has not been revealed yet, over a year later, something happens to make Thor unworthy to wield his hammer. So the first issue of Volume 1 of Thor concerns Thor losing his mojo and not being able to lift the hammer anymore. And there it is, it sits on the moon. No one can lift it. Uh, Thor has a conscience, a crisis of conscience and goes off to the wilderness, uh, tormented. And they spend the whole issue sort of going on about that. And then at the very end of the issue, a hand reaches into the frame, grabs the hammer and lifts it. And then the last shot, the new Thor, a female Thor, um, with a pretty cool mask, or, you know, headgear, uh, Viking headgear. And uh, the issue ends, and then we're off and running. Who is the new Thor? So Volume 1 concerns itself with who is the new Thor, in addition to Thor um, kicking ass, fighting Frost Giants, taking on Roxxon Corporation, and uh, Malekith. So this is a really cool story. Amazing art, great story, very intriguing plot. We've known Thor as this uber-masculine character, an uber-mensch, if I may. Um, And uh, here we have a a woman who is worthy. And Odin, who, or that is uh, uh, male Thor, who goes by Odinson now, uh, on a quest to find out, well, on several quests. One, one is to retrieve his his arm, because um, it was severed. Now, who did that, Loki or Malekith? I believe it was Malekith, because uh, he's a schemer. So anyway, lose, Thor loses an arm. Male Thor loses an arm, or as I should say now, Odinson, and um, he uh, needs to get it back and his hammer and find out who this woman is that that took his place but she is worthy the hammer is enchanted whosoever is worthy and the pronoun changes on the hammer as well to whosoever or they or or something and um so who is the new thor we hear uh, uh you know the internal monologue of this new character and how uh he she's uh uh, scared of what she's become, but that she wants to help the world, and, and the world needs a hero, and uh, something's going on behind the scenes. So the her, the first volume, which I believe went, went on to issue six, is about this mystery. And yes, then on the last panel of the last issue, it is revealed. And, and I loved that. Um, by now, you probably know who it is, because there's been a volume two, and, uh, you know, secrets don't stay secret uh, for long. And so it has been revealed who the new Thor is. Uh, I won't spoil it in case you want to go back and read volume one. 
But volume two is out and I'm continuing to read it and it's still super enjoyable now that it's been settled who it is. Uh, to the reader, not really to the general populace. Uh, and there's a huge war of the, of the realms, Odin has gone insane, etc. Again, you should be reading this. Um, so, another great book to add to your pull list. If you follow this podcast, you've probably got way too many of them. I'm sorry. And so, I'm at the end of my commute. Gotta start work. Uh, but to recap, the books that you should be reading, female-centric, uh, Unbeatable Squirrel Girl for its comedy and its WTF plots, uh, Angela, Queen of Hell, because of its fascinating character dynamics uh, and artwork, and Mighty Thor, because of its ongoing uh, story of... Uh, what happens when a woman is worthy to wield the hammer of Thor. Uh, so check those out, definitely. This has been VM Campos for the comic book commute. See you next time.